Welcome to the Motivational Podcast, where we talk about ideas to elevate, transform, and heal your life. I'm Carly Williams, and I'm honored to have you here. Let's go. What's up, guys? It's Carly Williams, and I am here with Chrissy, who is the peaceful sleeper and one of my best friends, who is the most amazing therapist ever. She does everything in the bedroom from sleep to sex. And on my um, podcast, one of my most listened to podcasts is one where I talk about sex. And I think it's so important that we have like a safe space to talk about it and to transform your sex life without you know, getting into some sticky situations by Googling on the internet. So I thought, why not bring on my best friend who every time we get together, this topic topic comes up and everybody's like, oh my gosh, she's a sex therapist. I want to talk to her about it. I think there's so much that uh, isn't talked about. And so with that, Chrissy, do you want to give a little intro before I start asking you all of my sexy questions? Yes. Thank you. I'm so excited to be here. And yeah, I totally agree with you. Sex is one of those things that for a lot of people, especially if they've grown up in a conservative environment, it's like, we don't talk about it. We don't read about it. We don't talk to our friends about it. You just do it and you don't tell anyone. Which is like, it's sex is really complicated and there's a way to talk about it. That's not raunchy and inappropriate. So real quick background. I'm a licensed marriage and family therapist. I've been doing therapy for 10 years and I love doing sex therapy because sex is such an important part of the couple's relationship. And especially for women, it's such a huge part of like, when we are feeling good, when we're feeling connected to our spouses, when we're feeling confident, like sex is very dynamic and I want to give people a safe place to talk about it and let it be okay that we are sexual beings. Totally. And I think I'm so done with like the shame that's around it and I want to have a really healthy sex life. I have a sex drive. I want that to be a thing that's valued in my marriage. And I want the same for my daughter. And I want, um, yeah, I think that there's so much uh, room for improvement in everybody's sex lives. And there's, there's, there's like not a lot of resources for that. If you're not wanting to get into like sex toys, which I don't, you know, like that's a whole other like area for me. I think that it's so much more emotional if I'm feeling good, if I'm, you know, it's all about like me and my mindset and my state of being, that's what determines if I have a good sex life or not. And I think that's so empowering. Mm -hmm. Totally. Yes. I think there's so much empowerment to be found in sex, but unfortunately it's an area where most women feel very not empowered. And I would say... I feel like that sometimes and I hate that I'm like a strong person, but sometimes I'm like scared of like initiating or whatever, because there's Mm -hmm. this thing in my head that says like, oh, that's slutty. You know Mm -hmm. what I mean? And like taking control of it and saying like, it's not just a man's thing. It doesn't have to be, it's like a beautiful thing that can be explored and experienced. And, um, and yeah. So like, what do you think? after all of your 10 years experience, what do you think is, um, well, two questions. What's the biggest piece of advice you could give to people who are struggling? Just uh, that's so vague. And then what do you think, uh, is the biggest struggle for women and enjoying sex and 
So start with those. Those are vague, but you can go wherever you want with them. Yeah. Okay. So I think one of the biggest struggles that women have around sex is around pleasure. So Mm. first of all, most people like we don't get an accurate picture of what real sex is like in the movies and in the media. So 70% of women do not climax regularly and 40% of women can't climax without direct clitoral stimulation. So this like penetration emphasized sex doesn't work for a lot of women. And there's just a lot more sexual shame. Like if you think about the familiarity that men have with their sexual body parts versus women, generally (laughs) boys masturbate a whole lot more than teenage girls do. And men handle their own genitalia multiple times a day when they're like sitting and relaxing Usually they're like playing with their balls. And when they're going to the bathroom, they're actually touching their penis. Whereas women, like, I don't know if you would find a woman sitting on the couch watching a Grey's Anatomy just casually with her hands down her pants. Like, that's not something that women do. And we don't even go to the bathroom. We don't even get close to our privates without toilet paper in between. And we can't even get a good look at our genitalia without doing some gymnastics. Whereas men, it's like out there to be seen. So if you think about how much men see and handle their own genitalia, as opposed to women, it's so much different. And so women, a lot of times have this like, oh, that's like gross. It's kind of Mm. weird. Like, yeah. There, there's just so much more like reservation a lot of times. And that makes it really hard for women to openly explore and understand what feels good, especially since the thing that drives men and women for sex is different. And a lot of times female pleasure is harder to figure out. It's a little bit more of an intricate puzzle. And so that would be my next big piece of advice is let it be okay that you by yourself or you and your partner together can explore Mm. and experiment with what feels good. Not just feeling this pressure and this drive to climax, but just like, let's take the pressure of climax away Mm -hmm. and just enjoy the moment and notice what feels good and then build on it from there. Because so many women are so focused on climax because their partners are focused on climax because that's what makes them feel like a successful sexual partner. Right. Which, yes, I think that's actually a really beautiful thing that sex is better for men when it's good for their partners. But the way that it plays out a lot just feels like a whole lot of pressure where women, a lot of times after they've been married for a few years, feel a little bit like, my body already isn't really in the mood for this, but now I have to put on a show to make you think that I'm really liking it. So I have to use all this energy to even want to have sex and to try and like it. And if you know that I'm trying to like it, then you're going to feel bad. So I have to be really great at pretending this is mind blowing. And it's like, no, what if you didn't have to pretend? What if you and your partner could learn together how to make it be mind blowing? That is worth it. That is a worth it endeavor. And one that I promise you can get your partner on board to explore. So how do you even like go about that process? Like, because like for me, I'm like, I mean, luckily TMI, but like the climaxing part, I don't have an, don't like, I've 
<laughs> I'm like, this is way maybe too TMI, but like for me, it's like more of like the emotional stuff in terms of that stuff. I feel like mm-hmm. I figure that out, which was so lucky. Um, and like, but if you don't know, if that's not happening, like what, what do you even do? Like, where do you even go? That's like, you're not going to get some like porn site popping up, which will just make the whole thing, you know, even more unrealistic. I'm sure. I don't know. I've never seen it, but like, you know what I mean? Like, where's the safe source? Like, do you have a book? Do you have like, what, what do you think? Yeah. I think diving into books and literature is a really great place to go. There are a lot of good books written by doctors and therapists. I think tune into your gut. If something feels uncomfortable, first and foremost, as the therapist, I would challenge like, why does this feel uncomfortable? Like, is this going against like my conscience or my moral code? Does this feel inappropriate? Or is this like just discomfort allowing myself to be sexual and to say the word penis and say the word clitoris. And I apologize if you're driving in the car with your kids. (laughs) I know. I'm like, this is a censored post. Yeah. (laughs) You know, but like, how, how comfortable are you in talking about sex, thinking about sex, allowing yourself to be a sexual person? So some books that I really like, I mean, gosh, I have so many books that I really like. One that's great is called uh, She Comes First. It just talks all about female pleasure. And it's kind of, it's written to be a man's guide to understanding female pleasure. But I think it's actually super informative for women to kind of hone in on like what he's saying and like, oh yeah, that is true. Or that would feel good. Or okay. Like, yes, I can give my partner guidance and direction about X, Y, Z. I think, um, his follow-up book is called he comes next. Mm. And so that's the book for women about men's sexual pleasure. I also really like the book Mars and Venus in the bedroom. Um, that's kind of an older one from the guy that wrote men are from Mars, women are from Venus. Yeah, um, that reminds me of Clueless. Do you remember that? She yes. Said, men are from Mars, women are from Venus. I love it. <laughs> <laughs> There's one called The Joy of Sex that and Hot Monogamy are a little bit more, they might make a conservative audience feel uncomfortable. They're mm-hmm. not inappropriate. They just talk a lot about like different positions and what can feel good. Um, and And then there's one program that I know makes my more conservative clients feel uncomfortable, but I actually think it's a goldmine of information. It's a website. I believe it's through the University of Chicago. I might be wrong, but it's called. Oh yeah, that's right. So the website is called omgyes.com. Okay. It's $50 for the subscription that you have for life. There are actually two different modules. It is, they do show real bodies, but it's not porny and you don't have to watch the videos, but it just talks. The first module is eight different techniques for manual stimulation. And it's a vast array of women talking about their own sexual experiences and eight different techniques. So there are probably three women for each technique. And they're just talking about their experience and what they like in terms of manual stimulation. They Mm -hmm. describe it to you. And then if you want, they'll show it to you. So you do see an actual vagina and you see a woman touching her vagina. 
but it's not they they tried very hard to have a wide range of diversity it's not it's not porny it's not vulgar it's incredibly informative the next module is all about tips for penetration and Mm. i think for women that have not had a ton of sexual experiences with very many sexual partners it definitely can feel uncomfortable at first like I remember feeling my own discomfort of like this (laughs) and looking at another woman's vagina is this okay yeah you're like I don't know I don't like is this like crossing a line because I grew up very you know like in a culture that was very I don't know emphasized like pornography is bad pornography is dangerous and so But because of that, like, there's a little bit of, like, this blurry line of, like, is sex bad? Is sex dangerous? Like, is this dirty? Is this vulgar? Like, where is the beauty in it? But I really like OMG, yes. I think they did a very good job of having it be super informative and educational. And I think women leave feeling empowered Mm. and sexually recharged and wanting to communicate more with their partners and try out new things. And, you know, I've worked with some women that are like, yeah, me and my husband sat down and watched it together and we both learned some things. And some women that are like, I don't really want my husband to watch it. So I'm just going to all watch it and then I'll tell him about it. But to have it be a joint endeavor to figure out what feels good on your body is so worth it. It can be such a beautiful thing because sex does not have to be this source of disconnection and insecurity and resentment and pain that it is for so many women. And that's what I kind of like want to talk to you about is like, oh, you know, if you, if you are lucky enough to have like a group of girlfriends that are okay to talk about it, you realize like, there's a, it's so emotional. Like mm-hmm. I don't want to have it. I do want to have it. I feel this. So I don't want to have it. Right. It's like, it's so, it's so much more than like the sex. It's like, what's go, like, what's going on inside of our brains. Right. And so like, what is your biggest piece of advice for maybe people who don't, you know, who are enjoying it and maybe want to avoid it and they feel like it is disconnecting, mm-hmm. um, mm-hmm. for, their partner. And then, you know, cause I, I mean, after you have a baby, like that's a whole different ball. Like I don't feel sexy. I don't feel good about myself. I don't want anybody touching me because I've nursed babies all day. Right. Like that was a very different phase than, um, than, you know, a phase I'm in now, but like some of those things I'm sure kind of carry over for one. If you're not orgasming, then it kind of sucks. And so Mm -hmm. what, you know, okay, take it away. Yeah. So one of the things that I love from the literature is that like, and when I say literature, I mean like the actual research about sex, like not just what you'd find in Cosmo, but what you find in like, right, right, right. Very different. Very different. Is that, so the sexual response cycle has five phases. So there's desire, which is like the mental desire to hop in bed. There's arousal when your body responds. So that would be increased blood flow to genitalia, quickening of your heart rate, like your body's physiologically responding. Uh, There's heightening when you're starting to, like when it's starting to feel good and you're in the groove, climax, and then resolution. So kind of think about it like mostly like a bell curve. 
but the the heightening oh and then there's plateau so like or heightening plateau is when like you get to that good spot but you haven't climaxed yet like you can kind of hold steady there for a while sometimes gotcha and this is um, for women or because i'm assuming men are different right this is so that's the sexual response cycle just kind of as an overview but the two things that they have found about women that make it different than men two different hypotheses one is that desire and arousal are flip-flopped for women that a lot of times women don't have this like mental desire like you most women don't see their husband jump out of the shower and like get all hot and bothered and like like women don't usually respond to the sight of a naked body the way that a man would. We don't usually have sex on our minds and have this like mental desire until usually we have the physical desire. So one thing that I talk to women about a lot is your husband wants to initiate sex. Well, let me back up. Let me tell you the other hypothesis is that desire a lot of times goes out the window for women. This mental desire mm. to be intimate goes out the window for women after they've been married for a couple of years, especially after children. And it is replaced with willingness. So okay. maybe the thought of sex isn't turning me on, but I feel connected to you. I love you. I am willing to have sex with you. I don't feel hot and bothered right now, but like I'm willing. And so what I usually tell women is if the relationship is good, if the relationship is healthy, if you feel connected to your partner and you feel willing, then give him a couple minutes to get your body to respond and then you'll have desire. Like if your body is in the zone and if you can have open communication with your partner and he knows the things to do that can start to get you aroused, then like once you're already aroused, if somebody's like, Hey, do you want to have sex? You're like, mm, hell yeah. Like totally. I, you're like, I'm like, like, does that ever happen? Any like after being married, I'm like, I don't think that I'm always with the flip. Like you said, like, I'm like, and because we had that conversation uh-huh. um, years ago, even before the twins were, you told me about the willingness thing. And I'm like, oh, I'm like always willing just because I like love to be with Raleigh. And then it always mm-hmm. turns. But I was like, I didn't even realize that I was doing that. Um, I just was kind of like, oh, I love like the closeness first. And then mm-hmm. it turns into like all of the arousal mm-hmm. and stuff like that afterwards. But it's definitely not like, like sometimes like, maybe like occasionally that actually I had desire like one like recently and I was like well that's so different that's not really how it happens mm-hmm. yeah yeah it's exactly fine. it's it's fine it's, it's not that women don't ever experience desire we just don't experience it like we did when we were 16 like totally. our hormones have changed our life circumstances have changed we're and exhausted. also a uh, hypothesis that I have is that we are biological creatures and women know inherently inside of our bodies, we know that sex leads to pregnancy and babies, and which historically is life-threatening and it's a lifelong emotional and physical commitment. And so right. women need to feel connected and loved by their spouses. We have this like cave woman instinct that says, if you're going to try and get me pregnant, like, are you going to be here with me for the long haul? Do I trust you? Do I feel safe with you? Do I feel connected? Can I have another baby? So even though 
Now in 2020, most of us have birth control and we have a logical understanding that not every sexual encounter is going to lead to another baby. But like anybody listening, think back to your sexual experiences. Like if you've had babies crying all day long, if your house is a mess, if your husband has left his dirty dishes in the sink for the 17th night in a row, and then he comes up and honks your boobs, you're probably like, <laughs> F you. No. Totally. Like, I was going to say, F you. That's like the thing that comes to mind is like, yeah, no, like, dude. Heck. No, not going to happen. <laughs> no, I'm like, Raleigh, I love you. You're great. <laughs> he really is. He's the best. He really is. For, like, we have a great sex life putting that on the table just because we're getting open and stuff. So for the record, he's the best. Yes. Anyways, yes. But of course, exactly. we can all relate to that. Yes. And so it's so important for men and women to understand that. But the flip side of it is, again, from the same biological drive, if you think about the cavemen, like if some woman is willing to have sex with you, if she's willing to take that risk, if she's willing to take on that burden, then she must really love you. And so men feel loved and connected through sex. Women need to feel loved and connected before sex feels like a viable option. And mm-hmm. so that's where I find in therapy that sex goes off the rails a lot because women aren't feeling supported and loved and understood and they're not feeling like their partners are there for them. So they don't want to give sex, but then men aren't feeling validated and loved and connected. And so they're less likely to meet their partner's needs, not because it's this overt conscious tit for tat. It's this like human instinct that says you're not meeting my needs. So I'm not going to go above and beyond to meet yours. Like I'll meet your needs when you're meeting mine. And so that's where I always, not just with sex, but with everything, that's where I'm always highlighting for couples. Like take those steps first. Like relationships are reciprocal. Put down your weapons and lean into each other. Like also the other thing is like not to be graphic, but if you think about human anatomy and the mechanics of having sex, like a woman is inviting somebody into her body. Like that is extraordinarily vulnerable. And then a man the most vulnerable, sensitive part of their whole body goes out on a limb to be accepted or not. And so the very mechanics of sex speak to how extraordinarily vulnerable and sensitive and sacred it is for both partners. Mm. And so if you can stay grounded in that, not that sex has to be this like you know, sometimes like sex is sex and sometimes it's making love, right? Like, like intimacy does not always have to be this, like, I, I take you inside of me because I love you. Like, it doesn't have to be, it can be fun, but if we can stay grounded in, this is actually really amazing and significant and special. And I might not have had a great day with the kids, or I might be a little bit annoyed with your dish doing habits, but I do love you and I value you and I respect you and I feel loved by you and safe with you. And so, yes, I do want to connect with you in this way. And that's willingness. Exactly. Oh my gosh. That's so different. Yeah. That's so helpful just because I think, yeah, I, I mean, I feel like I'm 
pretty sexual. Even saying that, I feel weird. I'm like, I'm not slutty. Like, I feel like I need to like divine, like, like you are allowed to be a sexual woman. I'm like, but I want that. And like, I want that for, for my, uh, for, you know, my daughters. I want that for like my sons just because it can be so wonderful and like awesome and like fun. And it can totally be like this connecting thing, but there really are, it's so, for me, it's just so mental. Like if I'm not feeling, if I'm not feeling like hot, then I don't want to do it at all. Mm-hmm. which is hard. Like that's, you know, just because of like how I'm like my love languages and stuff. Like mm-hmm. I just, you know, I'm like, Oh, I need to be like, I want to be shaved and I want to be like spray tanned mm-hmm. and I want to be showered and stuff, you know, like, because then I can like shut my mind off and I can, I can, um, you know what I mean? Like, I'm not worried about it. Like, I feel like one thought can just like bring me out of it and send me into like a little spiral where I can't even enjoy it anymore. Like, I feel like it's so mental for us. Yes, it is so mental. It's so mental, which again, like if you think about the biology and like our evolution as human beings, it's, it's important that it's mental. It's important that we have these barriers within us that make sex with any person not feel safe right like totally. you want to feel safe and connected to your partner like i i don't want to run the risk of having a baby with some dude that may or may not stick around and that might not love me and let me have a totally. baby in a cave by myself right like baby it's in a, a cave seriously and don't want to me yeah yes it's like a biological evolutionary thing that we have protective within us that says this is sacred, like save it for somebody who loves you. But sometimes we just get really in our heads and we, yeah, like, oh, can I be loved if I'm not spray tanned or shaved? And it's like, well, yeah, you can. Like you can, you can work through, if that's actually a barrier that's holding you back, you can work through that. Now, if that's just a preference, then like, whatever, you're allowed to have the preferences that you want that make you feel sexy. You know. Totally. Yeah. I would say it's more of a preference, luckily, but I'm totally just, interesting how like one thought can bring you into it and one thought can bring you out of it. And so it's, totally. like, it's almost like you need an anchor thought for sex. You know what I mean? Uh-huh. Like, what is the thing? But I love that. I never thought about like, this is so vulnerable. Like that's, that's really cool. That like makes, that's a totally different thought than like, oh yeah, baby, like let's get going. Right. Like that's totally different. And that's so cool. I never like really thought about it like that. And because yeah, it is like, it is so vulnerable. It's hard to like, let your guard down, you know what I mean? And be like, Uh like, okay. So, oh, I just had like a really good question. And what was it? Um, what would your advice be to someone who feels really disconnected Um, and maybe they can't, they feel super uncomfortable talking about it. Like, uh, and they feel really disconnected to their partner. Like what's, what are some like tools like to try or something or I don't know, just for people. Yeah. Yeah, So obviously I'm super biased, but I would highly recommend couples counseling because I will have people come in all the time and they're disconnected 
excuse me, they're disconnected about a whole lot of things. And so a lot of times, like there's just work that we need to do to get the couple relationship in a healthier spot. Sometimes that involves things about sex, but it doesn't always. So I remember when I was in grad school in my sex therapy class, I remember the professor said, you will find couples that have a completely dysfunctional relationship, but still have a great sex life. But you will never find a couple that has a dysfunctional sexual relationship and a great marriage. And I was like, that can't possibly be true. Like that is way too much of an overgeneralization, but I, it is true. It, I, in my 10 years of counseling, I've seen that time and time and time again, because sex is so there's so much emotion wrapped up into it. And because there's so much vulnerability and like, do you love me? Are you there for me? Can you meet my needs? Like those are fundamental, secure attachment questions. And so when sex isn't going well, when you don't have, when you don't have good communication about it, when you don't, and that doesn't mean you need to be like jumping into bed every day or like three no, times totally. a week. Like for the record, a lot of people ask me like, how, yeah, how what's often the benchmark? Should we be, yeah. Like how often should we be having sex? And a lot of therapists will say like, whatever works for you guys. But like the data suggests <laughs> that <laughs> that's not helpful. Like, people want an answer. So I'll give you an answer. <laughs> so in couples where both partners were sexually satisfied after three years of marriage, they found on average, they're having sex one to three times a week. So what I tell my couples that are really struggling is aim for at least once every two weeks, Mm. if that's a struggle. But like, if you're going longer than once every two weeks, there's usually just some disconnection that's starting to happen in the relationship. But if you're, if there's a breakdown in your willingness, if you can't confidently answer, like, am I safe with you? Are you there for me? Are you connected to me? Can I be vulnerable with you? Like, if you can't answer those questions, yes, then you also shouldn't be jumping into bed. Right. So like Ah, I'll tell couples all the time, like we, yes, we can talk about sex, but we need to get your relationship in a healthier, safer spot. First, sex is not a bandaid. Sex can be a great intervention to get things going again, to get the connection going, but sex is not going to fix a relationship that isn't safe or working well. So what do you think is the biggest um, thing that you've seen, like one of the biggest, most common issues with like, there's, this is why people aren't having sex is like, what's the biggest issue? I think, so in kind of broader terms, I think it's attachment injury, which means like attachment being safety and security. So the fundamental peel back all the layers do I believe that you actually love me? Are you there for me? If people can't answer that question wholeheartedly, yes, then that's where the disconnection starts. You know, I might be annoyed with my husband because he watches sports too much or doesn't clean up his dishes enough. Yeah. But do I know that he loves me and he is safe for me? Yeah. 
totally you know and so like there's a difference between like the surface level annoyances and the deep down like I'm not sure if you're actually there for me and so that's that's where I see the difference in couples too is like some couples come in and like they have a strong connection they have a strong attachment they just piss each other off with the surface stuff which like yeah, we can totally work with that. We can work with attachment injury too. Those fears and vulnerabilities and reservations of like, are you actually there for me? Because remember that one time when you cheated on me or that one time when I had postpartum depression and you didn't understand like attachment injury doesn't have to be this big devastating trauma. It can just be rooted in fear of like, I'm not sure if you are actually there for me. I'm not sure if you're actually safe. I want to believe that you're safe, but my like deep down part doesn't actually know. That's the stuff where we really get to the heart of it in counseling to repair some of those wounds so that you can learn again, like, yes, my partner is there for me. He does love me. I am safe with him. So if you could give me like let's say like three questions, maybe you're feeling that disconnection. Maybe you don't, maybe you're like, I'm totally feeling disconnected. I don't know if he's there for me. Like how would you as a therapist advise somebody to start a conversation, um, with their spouse about, about like, are you there for me? Do you feel safe with me without like having it be like attacking? You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So like what good question, you know, like, or yeah how would you phrase it? I guess I would start with self-awareness. So I'm, I'm big on self-awareness and I'm big on just like taking some time to self-reflect and brainstorm. And so I would start by asking yourself the question, like, do I know with confidence that my partner is there for me? If you feel that like dissonance in your chest, a little bit of that, like, I don't know, then ask yourself why? Ask yourself where that comes from. Go through a journey in your memories just out of curiosity. We're not trying to like pull up every rude comment that your husband has ever said, but usually there's something from early on in the relationship that just made you question or wonder. And so like just float around in your memories and see like, is there a moment that I really started to wonder if he actually loved me? If so, what was that? Mm. And now as I think about it with hindsight and perspective, was that actually as meaningful as, you know, I thought it was at the time, right? Like sometimes we have wounds that like, oh, at that moment I internalized it as X, Y, Z, but now Now that could have meant something completely different. Like could you like you can repair by the way, Chrissy's about to have a baby in like three seconds. You can't tell, <laughs> but, um, so we're extra grateful that you are taking the time. So, um, do you feel like it can be like a personal journey or do you feel like you, you know what I mean? Like, do you feel like you can take control of your sex life just by like doing these thoughts and like repairing some thoughts and maybe like affirmational stuff? Or do you feel like it has to be both people? that make sense? Yeah, it can go either way. It really depends what the situation was and where the thoughts are. And like, yeah, it, 
It really, really, really just depends because sometimes we need our partner to understand and acknowledge and validate, empathize and apologize Mm. for the pain that they have inflicted. And sometimes we can go back with hindsight and be like, oh, he just says rude things when we're driving and he's stressed. Like he didn't actually mean that. Like he is there for me. I overreacted or whatever. So so it's hard to give a blanket statement about that because some people have also like, it's hard to talk about sex anyway, when I like, I have no idea the stories and the traumas and the marriage dynamics of all of the women that are listening to this, because sometimes like there is a lot of sexual abuse and manipulation that is happening in marriages. And sometimes the right answer is no, do not jump into bed with him. Like that is abusive. That is manipulative. That is not okay. You should not be allowing yourself to like, you should not, somebody should not be treating you that way. But for a different woman listening, the right answer might be give, give him the benefit of the doubt take the first step, jump into bed with him. And so there's no, there's no one size fits all. Yeah. Which again is why I'm such an advocate for therapy because it's helpful to have somebody else dissect some of that with you and you can bounce back and forth between individual therapy and couples therapy. That's so cool. Oh my gosh. I just checked the questions. There's a lot. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, this is a good one. How do I want my husband more? We kind of said that already. It's more of a willingness thing. Yep. But do you have anything to add to that? I think just focusing on all of the reasons that you love him. And and those reasons might be different than what made you turned on by him when you were dating or engaged or first got married. Like now hopefully more seasoned into the relationship it's oh i love him because because he works really hard because he provides for a family because he wakes up with the kids when they're throwing up in the middle of the night like finding really realizing like i love and respect and value my partner and i want to show him that really and i feel like it doesn't matter if he has a dad bought or not like you you value him Totally. You value him almost like you value his soul. And it's like, it's so great to feel like hot and sexy. And of course, like I'm, I love helping people feel that part of it. And I think that that's super empowering and cool, but also like you have so much value as a person beyond that. Um, that's really cool. I mean, I think that's probably something I could work on. Like I, you know, I kind of am like, in order to have sex, like I need to be like, I don't want there to be any question in my mind of if I'm attractive or not. And like, that's just my own thing. You know what I mean? And that's something that I feel like I can control. And so like, you know, I look in the mirror and I'm like, I've worked out, I have done this, 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 and this. And I've like, I've done what it takes. There's no question. Like, I don't have to sit there and be Mm -hmm. like, Oh, just because bless Raleigh's beautiful, awesome heart. I really do like have the best marriage ever, but he's so not validating. And so that's been (laughs) hard for me as I'm like, wait, like you think I'm hot. Right. And like, that was just a struggle for us initially. And so like, I needed to find that within myself. And then once Mm -hmm. I did that, like everything was fine and like, everything was great. Cause I'm like, I don't need your validation because I know that I'm, I know that within me and like, then we yeah. can just be together and like love each other, like love the heck out of each other and not have expectations and have like respect, you know, mm-hmm. which may or may mm-hmm. not be right, but that's just kind of 
what has worked for me. But I think you touch on an important point, you know, and I have, we live right next door to some of our best friends. And so, and our kids are all the same age and our husbands are both dentists. And so we're just like this family of 10 basically. (laughs) But it's funny, like our husbands would probably be mortified if they knew how much we talk about sex and like in the details that we do. But it's fascinating actually having real conversations that are detailed and just realizing like, oh, our sex lives are totally different. And like Mm. mentally I'm on the same page as her. Like we both have similar levels of like desire and sex drive and whatever, but like what feels good for her and what feels good for me are totally different. What feels good for her husband and what feels good for my husband. Like as we kind of get in the details and I know a lot of people don't get that detailed, but it's like, oh, our bodies are completely different. Like there's a different formula for success with you two than for us two. And it sounds like for you and Raleigh too, like those things that you said help you get in the mood, like do not even cross my radar. And that's not like a right or wrong. It just is what it is. And so it's figuring out what's optimal for you. Oh, these questions are so good. Okay. I'll, I'll share a lot. I'm going to try and like, I'm long winded. (laughs) No, 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 you're not. I'm like, why didn't I, I just like, I had checked it and I was like, oh, I don't know if people are asking questions. Maybe they don't feel comfortable. And then I rechecked it and I was like, oh, they definitely, they're like, we're so excited about this. Um, okay. Uh, I love my husband. We have a great marriage, married 3.5 years, but never had an orgasm. That's when you would say you need to read the books and stuff because there are there are mechanics to it that nobody talks about. Like I had no idea that the whole like clitoral, which makes me feel awkward saying, um, like stimulus was a thing. Like I didn't even know. Like there are mechanics to it that people need to understand. And like mm-hmm. so yeah. really good sources for Yeah, I for that one especially, I like the book She Comes First. I think that would be a place to start with you and your husband take away the stress and the emphasis and just enjoy feeling your body feel good. Don't even stress about climaxing. Okay. Um, and a lot of people, you could talk to your OB. You could also do pelvic floor physical therapy. Some people have an intense amount of pain oh. upon penetration. And mm. so there are, there are pelvic floor therapists that you can work with, or for some, for a very small subset of people, there's a flap of skin over their clitoral hood, which mm. makes it not, which makes their clitoris not experience as much sensation. And that's but, on the outside people. If you don't know that, yeah, yeah. I, honestly, it's embarrassing. Like I learned that like, like because of the goop lab, like that came yeah. out like two seconds ago. Okay. Yeah. I was like so, embarrassed 
watched that, but my, but someone was like, no, it's like really educational. Like you should, yeah. And I did. Yeah. So I think a lot of times it's a, it's a technique issue and just not figuring out, like I was saying a second ago, like different things work for different bodies. So figuring out what works for your body is how you find pleasure. And be okay with that. There's no shame in it. Like, let's ditch Mm -hmm. all the freaking shame. That's so stupid. Mm -hmm. But I will say that men generally prefer more firm pressure and women generally prefer like feather light pressure. Mm -hmm. And a lot of times men are rougher because they're in the zone, they're in the mode, they know that they like it more firm. And so a lot of times like your spouse can be doing the exact same thing just at like a 10th of the pressure and mm-hmm. then it feels really good. Interesting. So, That's such good a, advice. There's a, a tip, tip for you guys. There's yeah. There's, yeah. Um, no drive and anxiety about sex after baby. I totally have anxiety about sex after baby. And mm-hmm. I feel like Raleigh has that too. Like we're both like, no, are my eggs split and we'll have five children. And we're like, never <laughs> again. You know what I mean? And yeah. I love my twins, but that would like, I, I'm like that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that goes back to exactly what I was saying about like our biological underpinnings as yeah. evolutionary creatures. Like, yes, of course you're, you have more anxiety about sex after you've had a baby because you know what happens when you get pregnant. And, and because of that, I think it goes along the same lines. Like you're, you have already checked your evolutionary quota. Like, all right, I reproduced. So now I don't need to keep having sex. Cause I already, I already replenished my yeah. lineage. So yeah. You're like, I, your body's like, okay, we're done. Yeah. Now your exactly. boobs are deflated. Yeah. And so just realizing <laughs> that like, yeah, there's a biological component to it, but there's also an emotional and relational component. And so yeah, but letting it be okay that sometimes our bodies lose desire, but there's still willingness and there's still pleasure and there's still a whole lot of fun to be had. We just have to let go of desire being the barometer of whether or not we jump into bed. Got you. Oh, so good. Okay. I don't feel attractive. I hate my roles and it ruins my libido. So sex isn't often. Okay. I think again, counseling, like it's going to be hard for me to not plug counseling over and over and over again, but I think loving yourself and the body that you have and making peace with yourself is a critically important journey as women. Yeah. Yeah, I know. And honestly, like, I don't like for me, like I felt that too. And so I was like, well, I'm just going to work out and I'm going to fix it. Right. Like, but I could take the journey of like, going down, um, the, the other road of like really digging deep and being like, Mm -hmm. well, why do you feel like that? And like, everybody has value and you know what I mean? And so Mm -hmm. it's like there, but also like, I just love working out and I feel like there've been Mm -hmm. so many benefits and like sex was just kind of like part of that. It wasn't like the only reason. So, Mm -hmm. um, okay. Let's see how everybody's like, I, literally like word for word the four questions in a row is like i'm too tired how mm-hmm. do i want to have it so it's the willingness thing right yep yep and again going back to this idea of can i give my partner a couple of minutes to turn me on and mm-hmm. am i glad afterwards that i did it 
one thing that I think can yeah. be helpful too in talking to our partners about is like, yeah, of course you're tired at the end of the day. So maybe kind of pin down different times to have sex. There's yeah. one study that suggests that the best married sex is scheduled sex, just oh so that God. both partners kind of know when is generally a good time. It doesn't necessarily mean like Tuesday night at 8 p.m. is sexy time. Like it could, that works for some couples. That's so interesting. You think that that's like counterintuitive, like spontaneity is the sexy, like meet me in the bathroom. Like it's, it's just like, you know what I mean? It's like everything you yeah. see in movies is complete BS. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, like, oh, every time you see it as a therapist, you're like, that's so not right. <laughs> yeah, seriously. I yell at the TV a lot in <laughs> movies and shows. Uh, I was going to oh. say something else. Tell me what the question was again. Um, it's basically just like, I'm, ex- I'm so exhausted. Oh, I'm so exhausted. Yes, that's right. So one of the things that I think can be helpful is figuring out language around making your sexual desires and preferences known beforehand. And so I use an analogy of running a lot. Like, hey, I really like running. You're a great running buddy. And sometimes I have the energy for a five-mile jog. And sometimes you want to go for a run and I can like run to the corner and back. And so I love that. Like having variety, we don't want every sexual encounter to be a quickie, but like there's a time and a place for long, drawn out, luxurious sex. And there's a time and a place for like, I'm tired. Let's have this one be like five minutes before bed. Like, can we do it quickly? Or like, can, and I mean, everybody's body mechanics are different, but being able to say like, yes, I have the energy for a long, luxurious sexual encounter or right. no, I don't have the energy for that, but I am willing to have sex, but I don't have the energy to like go all out. Then yeah. like, as long as there's variety and you're not like, I, I know one person, bless her heart. She's, she's just very rigid and structured. And like yeah. her husband literally has seven minutes every Thursday morning. Like we will have sex on Thursday mornings at 6 a.m. and you've got seven <laughs> minutes and then we're done. Oh and it's like, okay, I mean, at least he knows he's getting sex once a week, but like, there could probably be a, a tiny bit more spontaneity than that. But <laughs> yeah. that's what works for them. So again, you can't knock it if it is working for them. And I feel like when you talk to friends, when I first got married, we would talk to friends and I would compare and I would get all stressed and like, you know, cause like initially like Raleigh and I had like the worst like ever because I got so sick and so on our honeymoon I was throwing up the whole time and I'm like I do not want my first time and then be me throwing up and so we just like got off on such a weird foot that oh my gosh and then I like came back from my honeymoon and my friends are like how was it I'm like don't want you know what I mean I was like not good and it was like like, really we had never and it's like so stupid so don't compare and like every journey is is very specific to you which it sounds like um, okay. I just got married and I'm not very motivated to have sex, but want to, since my husband, mm-hmm. since my husband does, that's great. Yeah. Yeah. I think honestly, just letting it be a journey and something that you develop into, especially if you just got married, like this is a relationship that you will hopefully have for the rest of your life. And sex is a developmental thing. Like I know you and Raleigh have been married for a while. Like 
sex your first year is probably different than sex now. Yeah, and it gets better, and better. <laughs> Exactly. Hopefully it gets better with time and as you communicate about it and figure, and really figure out what works. Unless you have twins and then it gets really bad. Just totally. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh, these questions are so good. Okay. Um, how do I make myself more interested in initiating? I'm never in the mood. I feel like I can connect to that. Mm-hmm. I hate initiating. I hate it. I have like, I'm like, what if like he doesn't want it? I don't know. Like, you know, mm-hmm. it's like almost like as a woman, initiating is so hard. Mm-hmm. So I think there are a couple, that's a, there are a couple of different ways to look at that question. One, I talk to couples a lot about the whole idea of willingness and having men let go of the fact that like women sometimes don't have desire, they're just willing. And so a lot of times men initiate more and they wish their wives initiated more. Yeah. And so just letting go of some of that pressure or what they think that it means and just say like, look, she's not like walking around hot and bothered thinking about how much she wants to have sex with you. That doesn't mean she's not willing and it doesn't mean that she doesn't love you. Her brain just operates differently than yours. So you don't need to get your feelings hurt that her brain operates differently. So that can be one way to approach it. The other, if it is important and that's something that you want to, that your spouse really wants you to initiate more and you want to initiate more, a lot of times for women, it's just making a mental note of Mm. like figuring out like, what is my ideal frequency? What is his ideal frequency? What is our ideal frequency as a couple? And then just knowing like, all right, if our ideal frequency is twice a week, then like how long has it been since we had sex? Oh, three days. Um, maybe I'll initiate tonight. Mm, that's good. I like that. And then I think the third part of it is like a lot of times because women don't initiate as much, then if they do initiate and their partner isn't in the mood, the rejection feels a lot more devastating yeah. and it feels a lot more personal. Like men are supposed to want to have sex all the time. And if, what if my husband's the one that has low desire and I have high desire and yeah. I feel inadequate or I feel ugly or I feel unattractive or whatever. So like there's sometimes that is a barrier in initiating because we've had painful experiences with rejection. And then I would say take some time to work through that. Oh, that's so another plug for counseling. You should go to counseling. (laughs) I know I'm like, (laughs) needs to do a whole course on this. Honestly, you do. I mean, there are literally so many questions right now. Like I know it's, yeah, but it's something how about you do it when you have a baby, when you're in the hospital, how about you do it then? Like when know, you are right, like, I know that that's just who you are and like, that'd be a great time. <laughs> totally. I can't like wrangle in my ADD brain enough to like not have a billion projects going. So I'm like, okay, yes, I do want to do that one day. And it's not that day is not going to be today or this year, but one day, one day we'll continue to do these podcasts. Maybe that's something we can both, both do. Perfect. Maybe. But I I always have to beg Chrissy to help me. Um, Okay. So a lot of it's just like, I have low sex drive, but we've obviously done that part of it. It's like drive needs to turn to willingness. And then, which I totally relate to, like if I'm willing, then it starts to feel good after that. I'm never like, Mm -hmm. I rarely am like, Raleigh, except for this week. He looks really good this week. (laughs) Um, He's been doing, we've been doing the solo 60 challenge together. And I'm like, baby. Woo! So strong. 
Um, so, but seriously, it's rare. Like, I'm like, mm-hmm. I'm exhausted. I'm taking care of twins all day. You're taking care of three kids all day. You're pregnant. Like mm-hmm. it's, it's totally normal. I feel like just understanding it's totally normal and you can, you can get over that and, mm-hmm. and like then feel good after that. It's just like, there's this little barrier that needs to be addressed. That's like totally. misconception. Okay. Um, there's so many good ones. Um, what things can you do to have more interest in having sex with your spouse? Do we already answer that question? Yeah. Okay. Um, after baby, it feel it just feels uncomfortable, especially post C-sections birth, especially post C-section births. Why and how? Mm-hmm. So yeah, there are a couple of C-section too. I was like, no, nobody touched me. Now it's healed, but. Yeah. There are a couple of different factors. One, I've never personally had a C-section, so I don't, I don't have personal experience with that, but I mean, you're, they, they cut open your body. So of course your body is going to take a little bit longer to recover. Also after vaginal birth, like that's kind of traumatic for your vagina too. And and with hormones, right? Yes. And with hormones, one of the big things to note is that our hormones change after we have babies. And a lot of times there's less natural lubrication because of hormone shifts. So after you have a baby, after you're nursing, like your body just isn't producing the same hormones in the same way. And Mm so, or like sometimes they stitch you up too tight or it's loose. Like just give yourself and your body a whole lot of grace and recognize that if it's painful now, it hopefully won't always be painful. A lot of times that's something you can just ease back into, but there are also a lot of other things that you can do that feel good without penetration. Penetration. That's kind of the biggest thing I learned. Yeah. Like you're allowed to do other stuff. Like that's a great form of birth control too. You know what I mean? Like totally. It's like you can both still feel good and like connected, you know, with that, Mm -hmm. which I wish like, it's like, Oh, I talked, who did I tell this to? Cause, cause I just like feel bad for girls when they're like getting married and they're virgins and there's there, they think if they like want to research it, that they're sluts or whatever, mm-hmm. they don't. And I'm like, I remember telling somebody who was getting married. I'm like, listen, I'm going to tell you one thing. Penetration, like, like the going in part, I couldn't even say that to her because she was like, you know, I'm like the going in part doesn't feel good. Okay. I'm like, it's on the outside. That feels, mm-hmm. that feels better. I didn't know what it was called until the goop left, yeah. but like, I'm like, that feels better. Okay. The in and out doesn't mm-hmm. feel good. Don't expect it to feel good. You need to do other stuff to feel good. And she mm-hmm. was like, really? I'm like, yes, you're welcome. I'm like, it does like the in and out doesn't always feel good. Okay. Like, yeah, totally. I don't know. That's just me though. I'm like, sometimes it does, but mostly because that's just how we're wired. And that's like the mechanics. Mm-hmm. So it's like yeah. do stuff that feels good, even like a massage or something like it feels good to be connected and like touching your partner in even like ways like that. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So yeah, especially when you're having a baby, just like even a hug feels good. And you're like, totally. Okay. I think we got most of them. We'll do one more. Sorry guys. There were a lot of them. Um, 
Okay, there's so many good ones. Oh gosh. Um, how do you? You kind of already did that one. Ooh, 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 ooh! This one's so good. How do you tell your significant other that you're tired of doing all the sexual work, BJ's and initiating? Boom, baby. That was a good question, girl. Yeah. Yeah, totally. I think just, well, in anything that you want to bring up with your partner, how we start the conversation is key. So John Gottman is a marriage researcher. He says the first 30 seconds of a conversation will dictate the outcome of the conversation. So having a soft startup, using I statements, giving your partner the benefit of the doubt, trying to get in their perspective, but also needing your own perspective to be heard and understood so that will go a lot better if you are calm and you're grounded and you are giving them the benefit of the doubt. So, I mean, I know like five seconds of context for this question, right? but I would say, you know, like, Hey, I like, I really love you and I love being intimate or I love the connection that we have, or I'm so grateful for you. And da, 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 da. And sometimes lately it feels like, if we're going to have sex, then the ball's kind of in my court. Mm. And I feel like I'm carrying a lot of the pressure of initiating or being the more sexual one doing like a lot of the work. And I'm just wondering like what your experience is, if that's true, your experience, if you feel reserved, like what can we talk about expectations and really getting down to the heart of it in your own experience, probably even before you bring it up, like, am I feeling resentful? Am I feeling unloved? Am I taking it personally? Am I assuming that he doesn't think I'm attractive enough or like, Mm. what am I making it mean that it is this way? And does it actually mean that? Because a lot of times it doesn't. A lot of times they have no clue. Exactly. Oh my gosh. Chrissy, you're so amazing. Will you tell people, um, just a little, snippet on where to find you and, um, your programs. Cause you're not only a sex therapist, she sl- slept trained, sleep trained, sleep trained. Mm-hmm. sleep trained. Okay. I'm like, that didn't sound right. Um, she sleep trained my twins, you guys. And I swear to you, they are asleep right now. Navy still isn't sleep trained and she still like wants to sleep with me. Chrissy's amazing. She has books, she has programs and, um, tell them you go, you take it away. Yeah. Yeah. So if you're interested in anything sleep related for any age, go to the peaceful sleeper.com. Like you said, I have video courses. I have guides. I have a book. I have all kinds of stuff. If you are interested in the therapy type stuff, my mm-hmm. therapy website is Christine Lawler.com L A W L E R, or you can find me on the peaceful sleeper website too. I am licensed in Texas, Utah, and Nevada. So I can do online counseling if you live in any of those states. Um, or you can go to psychologytoday.com and research a therapist in your area. But I am a big advocate for counseling. I think every single person under the sun can benefit from having a safe place to go and explore all this stuff. So peacefulsleeper.com, christianelawler.com. You can find me on Instagram. Um, You can track me down. (laughs) Oh, you're the best, Chrissy. Thank you so, so much. Seriously, I know that this was like a big part of your time and your time is so precious and valuable and I, I oh, love you. I, Thank you 
so I'm much. Doing it. Thanks for having me. Okay. We'll talk to you later, y'all. Okay. Bye. Go to sleep. Bye. Bye.